President Trump gives his big primetime address on the border. Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer look like members of the undead. And Jim Acosta, journalism's all over everyone. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. A lot to get to today. So the President of the United States gave a very, very big address last night. We'll go through all of it. We'll go through all of the responses from the Democrats. We'll go through the media's responses as well. So many things to go through today. We'll get to all of those in just a second. But first... Let me ask you a question. When you watched some of the responses to the president's address last night, did it make you want to die? Well, if you would die, would there be someone there to pay for your funeral? Would your family be taken care of? This is why you need Policy Genius, because here's the truth. Eventually, you will plot. And when you do, you're not going to want to leave your family without any sort of economic support. That's why Policy Genius exists. Policy Genius has created a website that makes it easy for you to compare quotes, get advice, and get covered without extra fees or commission sales agents. Policy Genius is the easy way to get life insurance in minutes. You can compare quotes from top insurers and find the coverage you need at a price you can afford. From there, you can apply online. The advisors at Policy Genius will handle all the red tape. They'll even negotiate your rate with the insurance company, all part of that best price guarantee. And Policy Genius doesn't just make life insurance easy. Whether you're shopping for disability insurance to protect your income or homeowner's insurance or auto insurance, they can help you get covered fast. Their site is really easy to navigate and maneuver. Go check it out right now. Try starting your search for insurance at policygenius.com. In just minutes, you can compare quotes and apply. You can do the whole thing on your phone right this very second, and you should. Policy Genius is indeed the easy way to compare and buy life insurance, policygenius.com. All right, so the president of the United States had all of the dominoes set up in a row. It was time for him to make his big address to the American people, explaining why the government was shut down, why it was important to build a border wall. The president's address has to be kind of examined in Two contexts. One is for the content, and the other is for the presentation. The content was fine. The content basically covered the things that the president needed to cover, although I would say that he focused a little too heavy-handedly on the blood and gore aspects of illegal immigration, as opposed to what I would have focused on, which is the utter incompetence and foolishness of Democrats who say that no border wall is necessary. And that's where I would have put all my focus. The president talked about it some, but he didn't talk about it enough. And the other place that I would have put a lot of focus is on the minimal cost of the wall. I think that the president should have opened up his speech last night. I said this yesterday on the show. I think he should have opened up his speech last night by listing off all of the spending priorities for Democrats. They spent five billion on this and they've spent five billion on that. And they spent five billion on the National Endowment for the Arts, where people are paid to smear themselves with chocolate in front of cameras for Art Nouveau. But they won't spend five billion dollars on a border fence that would permanently make easier the lives of the Border Patrol agents who are simply trying to enforce the law. That's where I would have put the focus. Instead, the president went pretty heavy. And I think that's a reflection of Stephen Miller, his speechwriter, who writes a lot on these particular issues. In terms of the content, though, overall, it was fine. Whenever the president sticks to teleprompter, he's actually more convincing than when he does rally Trump. Rally Trump is really good for the base. But teleprompter Trump is actually better for the vast swath of Americans who just need to hear the message. And they need to hear the message unfiltered without the media acting as an intermediary. The fact that the president went directly to the people was something deeply necessary last night because the media coverage up till now has been that Trump is intransigent and terrible for not simply signing on to the new budget that the Democrats want to put forward and that would not include proper funding for the border barrier that Trump is talking about building. So Trump had to go around the media over their heads directly to the American people. I think he did that successfully in terms of content last night. In terms of presentation... It was a little lackluster. The big problem with teleprompter Trump is that it is so obviously different from authentic Trump. When you watch Trump authentically, he's freewheeling. He's basically a stand-up comedian. The guy responds to audiences. He's inherently funny. When you get teleprompter Trump, it's as though he's been drained of all of his life force, and he sort of just reads into camera. Well, that juxtaposition was not great for him last night, specifically because Stephen Miller's speeches tend to be filled with all sorts of, as I say, kind of blood and gore and appeals to the heart and emotional appeals. Well, if you get a speech that is filled with appeals to the heart and emotional appeals and you seem really unemotional while reading it, it's not a great performance. So let's go through President Trump's speech. Then we'll get to the responses because whatever President Trump did last night was blown off the front pages by how horrible the opposition was. And this is where President Trump is just an insanely lucky man. (laughs) No matter how bad he is at his job, the good news is that his opponents so far have been even worse at their jobs. I mean, you will not believe, once we get to Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, what that sounded and looked like, because my God, it was a horror show. But we begin with President Trump last night from the Oval Office, the president's first Oval Office address, watched by presumably tens of millions of people. Here is the president leading off. My fellow Americans, 
Tonight, I am speaking to you because there is a growing humanitarian and security crisis at our southern border. Okay, and he started off with the with the talk of the crisis. Again, I think that he should have started off with the government shutdown. And then you will see that this is the difference between how Democrats approached this and how Trump approached it. So Trump talked about the crisis at the border that was necessitating his action. The truth is, there is no crisis at the border in the sense of something has happened suddenly and now we don't have the means to deal with it. There has been no Pearl Harbor. There's been no 9-11. That's not what happened here. That's why what he really should have said is, my fellow Americans, we are now in the midst of a government shutdown. That government shutdown is not going to end until Democrats give me the funding necessary in order for us to secure our border, an intractable problem that's been plaguing the nation since 40, 50 years ago. Now's the time to solve it. All Democrats have to do is sign a check. Right? That's how I think he should have let off. Instead, he let off with talk of crisis. The problem with that approach is that it sort of begs a particular question. The question that it begs is, okay, well, if this is a crisis, then why didn't you do it two years ago when Republicans were in charge of Congress? Hell, why didn't you do it three months ago when Republicans were in charge of Congress? If this has been a crisis and you've known about it for several years, why didn't you treat it like a crisis until Nancy Pelosi took over the House? Trump continues on and he talks about the problems with illegal immigration. It strains public resources and drives down jobs and wages. Among those hardest hit are African-Americans and Hispanic-Americans. Our southern border is a pipeline for vast quantities of illegal drugs, including meth, heroin, cocaine, and fentanyl. Every week, 300 of our citizens are killed by heroin alone, 90% of which floods across from our southern border. More Americans will die from drugs this year then were killed in the entire Vietnam War. Okay, now, when he talks about the cost of illegal immigration, I think that that is totally proper, although I do think that the vast majority of costs from illegal immigration have less to do with crime, per se, than the economic costs of illegal immigrants constituting a new economic underclass in the United States and straining cultural tensions in the United States. He makes a particular argument about illegal immigration with which I generally disagree. He talks about how free flow of labor is undercutting the, the wage base for particular groups of Americans. Well, that is true. A labor supply, a free moving labor supply in the United States is actually quite good for the economy. It lowers prices. It makes American business more competitive abroad and all the rest. But when he talks about the problem of illegal drugs flowing over the border, he's correct. Now, what the fact checkers have said is that the vast majority of the drugs that are flowing across the border are flowing across ports of entry. In other words, somebody is driving up to the port of entry in, uh, in, from Tijuana into San Diego area. And when they drive across the border, the flatbed of their truck is loaded underneath with meth, for example. Well, that has nothing to do with building a border wall. And so the implication, which is that if we build more border fencing, that this is going to interdict all of the drugs that are coming across the border. That's not true. And Trump seems to be implying that it is true. However, it is true that the flow of drugs will be made more difficult if you actually do have more resources on the board. Bottom line is that the president is now putting the ball in the court of the Democrats to explain why all of this is okay with them, why they won't just spend the money necessary in order for us to shore up that southern border, however they seek to do it, because the Democrats really don't have a plan for shoring up the southern border, as we'll discuss in a moment. So when Trump talks about the number of Americans dying from, from drug overdoses, for example, all that stuff is necessary and useful because appeals to the heart do beat appeals to the head. You know, this is one of those areas where I, I almost wish the president had done something like what Ronald Reagan used to do, or even Ross Perot, and taken out some charts, taken out some pie charts, and just explained them in sort of a friendly way. It's amazing how few presidents really know how to do the Oval Office address in which they speak directly to Americans. In any case, the president continues, and he talks about the problem of crime springing from illegal immigration. And he's not wrong that illegal immigration does have a crime problem attached to it, not just the immigration itself. Now, his critics will say that illegal immigrants have a lower crime rate than the general population of the United States. But that's not really the question. The question is why we should allow anyone in the country who is going to then commit a crime. I assume that my kids in my own house may act worse than random kids who come to my house. But if a random kid comes to my house and then tears up the furniture, that's really my fault for letting that random kid in my house. My own kids are my responsibility. The random kid, not my responsibility. And that, that's sort of the issue with illegal immigrant crime. Here's the president talking about a murder problem that has, that has cropped up thanks to illegal immigration. Over the years, thousands of Americans have been brutally killed by those who illegally entered our country, and thousands more lives will be lost if we don't act right 
now. Okay, and again, this is not wrong. He's correct about all of this. And then he continues by talking about how this is a humanitarian crisis as well. Now, the problem is that the president is not, again, great at reading off the teleprompter. When he talks about a problem of the heart and the soul, which you're going to hear him say in a second, what you'd really want him to do is look as though he is pained by the humanitarian crisis at the border. Instead, it sort of looks like he's pained by having to read from the teleprompter. But the content of what he says is, of course, correct. This is a humanitarian crisis, a crisis of the heart and a crisis of the soul. Last month, 20,000 migrant children were illegally brought into the United States, a dramatic increase. These children are used as human pawns by vicious coyotes and ruthless gangs. Now, it's amazing how many Democrats are upset with this line. Saying, oh, well, how could, he de- how could he talk about vicious coyotes and ruthless gangs? This is ugly language, right? Because these are ugly people, the vicious coyotes and the ruthless gangs. They do exist. And the fact that the president is calling them out does put a moral onus on Democrats to explain why they are okay with all of this human smuggling toward a border that is specifically happening because the United States acts as a giant magnet for people who are looking for a better way of life thanks to jobs, but also thanks to soft immigration policy. And that's been Trump's point. Well, in a second, we're going to discuss President Trump's overt appeal for the funding for the border wall, why it succeeds or why it fails. We'll talk about that in just one second. First, let's talk about your sleep quality. So the fact is that you are an individual with an individual need for an individual mattress, and yet you're probably buying a mattress that was built for somebody else. Why do that? Why not instead go over to helixsleep.com right now? Helix Sleep has built a sleep quiz. It takes two minutes to complete. They use the answers to match your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress. Whether you're a side sleeper or a hot sleeper, whether you like a plush or a firm bed, with Helix, there's no more guessing and there's no more confusion. All you have to do is go over to helixsleep.com Ben, take that two-minute sleep quiz, and they will match you to a mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. For couples, Helix can even split the mattress down the middle, providing individual support needs and feel preferences for each side. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free, so you really have nothing to lose. And I promise you, the mattress is great. My wife and I took that two-minute sleep quiz. We have a Helix Sleep mattress in our bedroom. It is phenomenal. Right now, Helix is offering up to 125 bucks off all mattress orders. Again, get up to 125 bucks off at helixsleep.com slash Ben. That is helixsleep.com slash Ben for 125 bucks off your mattress order. Go check it out right now, helixsleep.com slash Ben. Go check that out right now. The mattress is, is just phenomenal. Okay, so the president finally gets to his overt pitch for the funding for the border wall. And here's what he has to say. Finally, as part of an overall approach to border security, law enforcement professionals have requested $5.7 billion for a physical barrier. At the request of Democrats, it will be a steel barrier rather than a concrete wall. This barrier is absolutely critical to border security. It's also what our professionals at the border want and need. This is just common sense. And obviously, that's true. Uh, My favorite troll there is when he says at the request of Democrats, it'll be a steel barrier rather than a concrete wall. So he's blaming the shift in the nature of the wall on Democrats. Yeah, you know, I was happy to do a concrete wall, but then these Democrats came around and they like steel. And I was like, okay, steel's shiny. Boom. So, okay, sure. But his pitch is correct. Of course, the wall is common sense, or at least the steel slats, whatever he wants to call them, our common sense. Then he talks about the cost. And again, this is a blown opportunity for the president. He should have said here, here are all the things Democrats are willing to spend on, right? This is how you pressure Democrats is by proving that they are incompetent and that they are willing to spend money on the stupidest random garbage, but they won't spend money where it actually counts. He didn't do any of that last night. Instead, he made some pretty dubious claims about how the wall is going to be economically beneficial to the United States. I'm not sure Honest to God, I don't know why Stephen Miller thinks this is a convincing argument because it really is not a very good argument. But here is President Trump making that argument. The border wall would very quickly pay for itself. The cost of illegal drugs exceeds $500 billion a year, vastly more than the $5.7 billion we have requested from Congress. The wall will also be paid for indirectly by the great new trade deal we have made with Mexico. Okay, this is the this is a line that is just not true. When he says that the trade deal is going to pay for the wall, I don't even know what he's talking about. No economist knows what he's talking about. It's just nonsense. When he talks about how the cost of illegal drugs is really high and the border wall is going to is going to cut down on those costs, that may be true, but this is not a convincing argument simply because the question is not whether we are going to save money in the long run. The question is whether this is good policy and whether Democrats are wasting money on other random nonsense. Well, then the president actually decided it was necessary to take it directly to Democrats. And this, I think, 
was the best part of his speech. This is when he tried to point out that the Democrats really have no leg to stand on when they are trying to argue against the border wall, when they are trying to argue against his vision of border security. Here is the president of the United States going directly after Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer. Senator Chuck Schumer, who you will be hearing from later tonight, has repeatedly supported a physical barrier in the past, along with many other Democrats. They changed their mind only after I was elected president. Democrats in Congress have refused to acknowledge the crisis. And they have refused to provide our brave border agents with the tools they desperately need to protect our families and our nation. Okay, and then he continues along these lines, slamming Chuck Schumer. And of course, he's exactly right. Chuck Schumer was in favor of a, of a wall before he was against a wall. Uh, and he, he did switch because of Trump. I mean, there's no question that he switched his position when it came to border security, not because of changing circumstances or evidence, but simply because he doesn't want to hand President Trump a win. And Trump continues along these lines. Again, he buried the lead, right? The lead here should have been this. The lead should have been, we are in the middle of a government shutdown. That's the only reason this is in the news. We're in the middle of a government shutdown. The reason we're in the middle of a government shutdown is because Democrats won't give me what I need to secure the border, right? That's what the speech should have been about from the very beginning, but at least he gets to it here, right? He goes after the Democrats for failing to reopen the government. The federal government remains shut down for one reason and one reason only, because Democrats will not fund border security. My administration is doing everything in our power to help those impacted by the situation. But the only solution is for Democrats to pass a spending bill that defends our borders and reopens the government. Okay, and this, of course, is exactly right from the Republican perspective. Every shutdown has two sides to it. Democrats say Trump could just reopen the government without the money. And Trump says, well, we could reopen the government with the money. And who you decide to choose in that fight is exactly what last night was all about. President Trump then got to, this is the very best section of his speech. This was the section of his speech that made the most sense. It was the section of his speech that personalized and brought the kind of, highfalutin rhetoric down to earth. You know, the, the president was talking a lot last night about various kind of monetary costs, $500 billion of cost in terms of drug damage, the, the cost in terms of illegal immigration and the economy. But once you personalize the question of barriers, of border barriers, then it becomes pretty easy to understand why the Democrats don't really have a leg to stand on here. Here was the best section of what Trump had to say. And I think it was the most effective section of his speech last night. Some have suggested a barrier is immoral, then why do wealthy politicians build walls, fences, and gates around their homes? They don't build walls because they hate the people on the outside, but because they love the people on the inside. The only thing that is immoral is the politicians to do nothing and continue to allow more innocent people to be so horribly victimized. Right, this is a populist appeal, and it's an effective populist appeal because it happens to be true. A lot of these politicians are very wealthy. They live in gated communities. A lot of these politicians have protection. None of these politicians really have to worry about the problem of illegal immigration affecting where they live in any significant way. And when he says, you know, they can talk as much as they want about how walls are immoral, but these are all people who live behind walls, he is exactly right. That hypocrisy is telling to most Americans, and I think most Americans are going to resonate to that message. Then he gets back into sort of his final emotional appeal. And again, the big problem here is not necessarily the text of what he's reading, but the fact that President Trump is not a good actor, right? I know this as a person, listen, that's not a rip on Trump, right? I, I'm not a good actor either. I can only speak in ways that I think are genuine. Trump has a bit of the same thing. That means that when he is fed a bunch of lines about weeping mothers and, and dead children and all this stuff, and he's not feeling it emotionally, it doesn't come off quite the way that, that you would want it to come off. Over the last several years, I've met with dozens of families whose loved ones were stolen by illegal immigration. I've held the hands of the weeping mothers and embraced the grief-stricken fathers. So sad, so terrible. I will never forget the pain in their eyes, the tremble in their voices, and the sadness gripping their souls. How much more American blood must we shed before Congress does its job? Okay, and again, I don't think that the point he's making here is, is a bad one, but I do think that the sort of 
over the top, everyone's going to die, illegal immigration's killing tons of people. Now, that's not really the pitch on illegal immigration. And this was the problem with declaring illegal immigration a crisis. Okay, It is a slow-rolling, serious issue in American life and has been for 30 years. And you should have just made that case. Overstatement is not necessarily the most effective way of doing all of this. I understand that it inflames the base, but the base is already inflamed. Trump used exactly the sort of language right before the 2018 election. It did not redound to Republicans' benefit. In other words, I think that subtlety might have been uh, a better approach here in some ways. And I certainly think that putting the onus on Democrats to explain their spending habits, these are people who binge on spending, but suddenly become penny pinchers when it comes to the border security we need, as recommended by Border Patrol. Seems like plenty for, for, for Trump to have said. Trump concluded with a basic moral call saying it's time for you to call your Congress people because this is basically a question of right and wrong. And in the end, this is the only message that matters. And that's why, despite my criticisms of, of Trump's speech, despite my qualms with it, despite my feeling that it was kind of lackluster, I think that overall, it was not an ineffective move by the president. This is a choice between right and wrong, justice and injustice. This is about whether we fulfill our sacred duty to the American citizens we serve. When I took the oath of office, I swore to protect our country. And that is what I will always do. So help me God. Okay, so that's his pitch. Okay, and his pitch is fine. I mean, it's a fine pitch. I don't think that it was massively overwhelming. I don't think that it changed tons of hearts and minds, but it did what was necessary to push the ball forward. And it put the ball in the court of the Democrats. And the Democrats then just fell completely on their faces. Honest to God, I've never seen anything quite like this. So I'm critical of the president's presentation last night in the sense that it was the president just in the Oval Office talking direct into camera for eight minutes. It was not riveting TV or anything, but at least it wasn't this horror show. So what's, what's hilarious about what the Democrats did in response is that they should have just picked a random member of their caucus, just a rando, a random member of their caucus to give the response. Or they should have just ignored it. They should have just said, here's the president fulminating. He got himself into a problem with the government shutdown. Now he can't get out of the problem with the government shutdown. They should have just let him rant and then be done. Instead, because senators and congresspeople, because they love the cameras, I mean, they are camera hogs like nobody's business. And these are the people who go to church with a selfie stick. I mean, these are folks who just love being on camera. It is their favorite thing in the world. The sad part, though, is that as much as they love the camera, it is an unrequited love. The camera does not love them. And that is obviously true for Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. They couldn't even decide which one of them would give the response. So they decided to give it jointly. And wow. So Schumer and Pelosi are standing next to each other. For folks who are listening and not watching, Schumer and Pelosi are standing directly next to each other, flanked by a bunch of flags in the background. And it is just a horrifying look. It's just a horrifying look. People on Twitter were going nuts over this look yesterday because, number one, their makeup is just terrible. So we have a makeup artist who works here at Daily Wire named Jess. And Jess is very good at makeup. It makes me look more natural. That's what makeup is supposed to do. It's supposed to make him look more natural on camera. They look like, Pelosi and Schumer look like members of the undead. I mean, they, they, they honest to God look like when you go to a funeral and it's an open casket funeral and then people say, you know, how does the person in the coffin look? You say, Oh, they look so they, they look like they're sleeping. They look like they're alive. That's what this makeup looks like. This makeup looks like they look like they're alive, but you actually know they're dead. Right. It looks like Madame Tussauds wax museum come to life. And Chuck Schumer standing there glaring like Sam the Eagle from the Muppets into the camera. while Nancy Pelosi looking like that bizarre creature in Return of the Jedi who like sits there and laughs next to Jabba the Hutt. I mean, that, that is the juxtaposition. It's wild. So people were going crazy on Twitter last night with the memes of this particular image because it wasn't like both of them needed to be there. Like one spoke for two and a half minutes, then the other spoke for two and a half minutes. We'll get to the content of what they said in just a second. But the memes were things like what your parents look like when you come home at three o'clock in the morning. Right? It was, it was, they look like a paint, they look like American Gothic Nouveau. Right? You know, the painting of the, the farmer and his wife glaring at the, at the painter. That is, that is what they look like. They look like, I mean, Chuck Schumer throughout this whole thing, Nancy Pelosi was like the annoying person who's saying that at a restaurant she wants to speak to the manager and the husband's kind of sitting there glaring because he doesn't want to be there. That, that's, that's basically what this was. They look like Red and Kitty Foreman from that 70s show. I mean, the, the memes were just spectacular. 
They are very, this is when you, <laughs> there are some folks tweeting out things like, this is what your parents look like when you come home and you got a C in math. That, 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 that really is, this is what it is. And they're standing there glaring at the camera and it's just hysterically funny. And the fact that nobody in politics, because they're all 9,000 years old, they don't understand anything like what camera optics are supposed to look like. You wonder why Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez is popular? Because she knows what a camera is and what it does. Right? That Really, that's all it is. I, I don't know what it is about old politicians, but older politicians, for some odd reason, think that camera work should be done the way that it was for Sarah Bernhardt in early film from Thomas Edison in like 1916. Like going to film a stage play or something. And which is why when you get camera of, of Elizabeth Warren doing an Instagram, it's her kind of glaring into the camera while she awkwardly drinks a beer. Well, between that and Kamala Harris trying to awkwardly dance to offset AOC, and now Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi glaring into camera, look at... Honestly, my first reaction when I saw the picture of Pelosi and Schumer standing next to each other was well, there were a couple of pop culture references that jumped to mind. The first one was, and we'd have gotten away with it, too, if it weren't for you meddling kids. And the second one, the Scooby-Doo reference for those who missed it. And then the other one that popped into mind was, no, Mr. Bond, we expect you to die. Because that, that's what it looked, they look like Bond villains. It, it looks like she looks like Kleb from, from Russia with Love. I mean, that, and, and he's like Robert Shaw. It's, it's just fantastic. So they're standing next to each other, and it's just great because they're supposed to look super serious, and everyone is just laughing at them. Everyone is just laughing at them. So President Trump has been blessed with the most incompetent opponents on planet Earth, and it's just fantastic. So Nancy Pelosi, dentures are moving. She leads off by talking about the government shutdown. Now, here's where the Democrats were good. Right? What, they, what the Democrats did last night was they talked a lot about the government shutdown. The reason that this was smart is because that's the only reason we're talking about this topic right now, right? We all know that the government shutdown is the reason that we're talking about this, not because there was a crisis on the border that necessitated a government shutdown, but because we are in the middle of a government shutdown. That is what created the urgency. It wasn't the situation on the border that created the urgency. It was the shutdown itself that has created this false sense of urgency where nobody actually feels all that urgent about it is the truth. So the Democrats focused heavily on the shutdown. Trump focused heavily on immigration. This is why I think that Trump should have let off with the shutdown and taken that baton directly out of the Democrats' hands. Instead, Nancy Pelosi says, listen, we're in the middle of a shutdown. All you have to do is sign the check, and then we're done. And we can have this illegal immigration conversation in five minutes. There's nothing urgent that necessitates us having this conversation right now. That was Nancy Pelosi's case as she spoke from the grave. I mean, honestly, this, this whole video should have led off with the door opening like, Tales from the Crypt. And you just hear... The fact is, on the very first day of this Congress, House Democrats passed Senate Republican legislation to reopen government and fund smart, effective border security solutions. But the president is rejecting these bipartisan bills which would reopen government over his obsession with forcing American taxpayers to waste billions of dollars on an expensive and ineffective wall, a wall he always promised Mexico would pay for. Riveting stuff there from Nancy Pelosi. And as much as I was critical of President Trump's delivery, Nancy Pelosi, my goodness, it's like we found the compendium of the most boring people on earth and then put them in front of cameras. <laughs> but what she's saying there, again, from the Democratic perspective, is not untrue, which is that Trump said Mexico was going to pay for the wall. He could just have this debate in five seconds. He doesn't want to. He's forcing a crisis. That's, that's the problem here. Pelosi continued along these lines. And again, she was hammering away at the idea that the government shutdown is Trump's fault. All he has to do is sign off on our budget. And then we can have this conversation 10 minutes from now while people are still getting paid. Why is he using government workers as leverage, right? This is Pelosi's case. He promised to keep government shut down for months or years, no matter whom it hurts. That's just plain wrong. The fact is, we all agree we need to secure our borders while honoring our values. We can build the infrastructure and roads at our ports of entry. We can install new technology to scan cars and trucks for drugs coming into our nation. We can hire the personnel we need to facilitate trade and immigration at the border. We can fund more innovation to detect unauthorized crossings. So why don't you do all of those things in a counter move for Trump? Honestly, why don't, why don't you come back at President Trump with that, Speaker Pelosi? Like that, That's not all that tough. It's hard not to laugh while watching Chuck Schumer standing behind her glaring at the camera as she says all of these things. <laughs> Honestly, it reminds me of one of those old Warner Brothers cartoons where Bugs Bunny is talking and then the camera slowly pans back and there's that giant red fuzzy monster standing directly behind him. 
<laughs> Somebody needs to cut a video of Pelosi speaking, and then you pull back, and it's just Chuck Schumer looming over her shoulder, glaring at the camera. Just spectacular stuff. In a second, we're going to get to Chuck Schumer's response, and then we will get to all of the rest of the Democratic responses, which demonstrate two things, the rest of the Democratic responses. One, the Democrats are unbelievably radical on illegal immigration, and this is where Trump wins. And two, younger Democrats know how a camera works. I will show you in just one second. First, you're going to have to go and subscribe over at dailywire.com. All sorts of goodies. First, I, I need to mention, before we even get to the subscription pitch, I have a new book. It is this book right here, The Right Side of History, How Reason and Moral Purpose Made the West Great. It details the crisis of purpose that is happening right now in Western civilization. Earlier this week, I talked about Tucker Carlson's monologue in which he discussed the problem of suicide, opioid overdose, the problem of unhappiness that's spreading through the country. I wrote an entire book on the subject. If you want to know how we got here, what made us prosperous, why we're blowing it, how we get back on track, pre-order today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, any major bookseller. Excuse me, any major bookseller. I cannot wait to share the book with you. I really think it is an important work. I mean, I spent an awful lot of time on it, an awful lot of thought on it. I think it's sort of my magnum opus. So go check it out right now. The Right Side of History, How Reason and Moral Purpose Made the West Great. It's a great introduction to why Western civilization matters and why Western philosophy matters and what we ought to do as a civilization to re-infuse our civilization with the purposes that made our country awesome in the first place. Okay, also, you need to go subscribe. $9.99 a month gets you a subscription to dailywire.com. Why should you do so? Because you get two more hours of me in the afternoon if you do. Now, you can listen to our live radio show, you know, like live on radio, all across the country. But there's something else going on that is amazing, which is that you can actually see it on camera. You can interact with me while we're on the air. Right? I'm going to start taking questions during the breaks. You get to do all these things for two additional hours a day. So if you love the podcast, get two more hours of it in the afternoon, which includes all of the daily updates as the news progresses. During the day, we are here slaving away for you, all for $9.99 a month or $99 a year when you spend $99 a year. Then you also get this, the very greatest in all beverage vessels, the leftist here is Hot Oracle Tumblr. Check this sucker out. It is unreal. It is so good. You know, we just installed a basketball hoop directly outside of these studios. Suffice it to say, Jewish men can't jump. But after I have had a drink from the leftist tears, hot or cold tumbler, not only can I leap tall stories, tall buildings in a single bound, I can dunk complete 360 reverse tomahawk windmill jam. Okay, that's what I can do. What can you do with it? Only you know. That's why you ought to subscribe. Also, you ought to subscribe to us at YouTube and iTunes. That way you have access to our Sunday special. This week, our Sunday special features, features my friend Heather McDonald, who's an expert on crime, immigration policy, and diversity issues on college campuses. Heather McDonald, please tune in this Sunday to the Ben Shapiro Show Sunday special, where I talk with Ben about intersectionality, the ruthlessly competitive totem pole of victimhood on college campuses and off, policing, criminal justice reform, immigration. Ben and I disagree about that to a certain extent, but amicably, uh, and uh, the Trump administration. So all sorts of goodies for you when you subscribe. Go over to YouTube and iTunes. Make sure that you subscribe there and leave us a review as well. Always helps with our ranking. We're the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. Okay, so it wasn't just Nancy Pelosi speaking. My favorite part of the Nancy Pelosi-Chuck Schumer speech is the part where Nancy Pelosi says, Senate Minority Leader Schumer. And he goes, thank you, Speaker Pelosi. And then he, she sort of hands the podium to him and then stands there awkwardly. It's like a bad Oscars handoff. Like they played her off with the music and you're waiting for the giant hook to come out and just kind of yank her off screen like the vaudeville hook. Instead, you get now she's going to stand there and glare at you while he talks to you. She's like, now listen to your father. I've said a lot of things. Now I want you to listen to your father. Chuck, tell our child why you should not. We found a we found pot in your sock drawer. You, you listen to your father now. He has some strong words to say to you. Go. My fellow Americans, we address you tonight for one reason only. The President of the United States, having failed to get Mexico to pay for his ineffective, unnecessary border wall, and unable to convince the Congress or the American people to foot the bill, has shut down the government. Okay, so again, the Democrats focusing heavily on the shut down the government point. At no point in their speeches did they ever explain why the border wall is ineffective and unnecessary. Not one point, nothing. Right? And that's why Trump's focus on the wall is actually quite good. But the Democrats aren't going to focus on that. They're going to say we ought to have this debate apart from, the, from, from holding the government hostage. Right? This is, again, why Trump should have let off with the government shutdown stuff. Schumer continues to whine about this. Now, th there's some great irony to this. Right? He says 
He says that Trump is basically having a temper tantrum in the Oval Office. Here, here's Schumer's take. Again, it's, it, what was amazing about this joint speech is that whichever one is talking is not the one that you're watching. So you sort of, like, you, your eyes are magnetically drawn to Nancy Pelosi frowning at you as she attempts to keep her dentures in her face. Here is Chuck Schumer talking while Nancy Pelosi struggles with her dental work. American democracy doesn't work that way. We don't govern by temper tantrum. No president should pound the table and demand he gets his way or else the government shuts down, hurting millions of Americans who are treated as leverage. Okay, I love when Democrats suddenly declare that it's very bad for the president to govern by temper tantrum. Barack Obama literally said, I have a pen and a phone. Barack Obama governed by temper tantrum all the time. It's all he did. It was just that he wasn't as loud about his temper tantrums. Like, I have two kids, and they throw temper tantrums in very different ways. My son throws classic temper tantrums. Like, he gets down on the floor. He, it's actually really funny. He lies down on the floor, and he pounds his little fists, and he kicks his little feet, and then he just yells. And he arches his back when he's having a temper tantrum. Like, he screams to the sky. It's really, it's really cute. My daughter, she, she glares at you. Right? My daughter takes after me. She glares at you. And then she says, I don't want to be your friend. And then she walks away. So my daughter, a lot more like Obama, right? <laughs> she like, kind of glares at you and says, I don't want to be your friend. Trump, a lot more like my son. Right? So, but that doesn't mean that they aren't both temper tantrums. They are. Okay. Barack Obama used to throw go- uh, governing temper tantrums on a regular basis. Schumer finishes off by talking about how walls are bad. Walls are really bad. They're really, really super bad walls. You know how we know walls are bad? Because they're bad. The symbol of America should be the Statue of Liberty, not a 30-foot wall. So our suggestion is a simple one. Mr. President, reopen the government and we can work to resolve our differences over border security, but end this shutdown now. Okay, and then I like the slow pan out by the camera. (laughs) Just spectacular. It's a flashback, by the way. Chuck Schumer, who really hates walls. Yeah, this is Chuck Schumer back in 2009. Because of our efforts in Congress, our border is far more secure today than it was when we began debating comprehensive reform in 2005. Between 2005 and 2009, a vast amount of progress has been made on our borders and ports of entry. The progress includes 9,000 new Border Patrol field agents in the last four years, construction of a 630-mile border fence, or 630 miles of border fence, that create a significant barrier to illegal immigration on our southern land border. Okay, so, you know, things have changed. What changed, as Trump said, what changed is that Trump became president and then the Democrats changed their minds. Now, the best responses to Trump's address were not given by Schumer and Pelosi. The best responses were given by the newfangled Democrats. And what I'm going to show you now is how radical the newfangled Democrats are, number one, and number two, how much better they are on camera, which is a bad combo. It's a bad combo because... What you would prefer is that the radicals are terrible on camera and the moderates are good on camera. Uh, it tends that that's not the case. So the most radical response came courtesy of the brand new freshman congresswoman, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, featured on Rachel Maddow's show last night saying insipid things, but doing so with a lot of charisma, which is her brand. Right? Her, her brand is that she's very charismatic and that she says dumb things on a regular basis. And so we have to talk about them because she says them and it's terrible. Okay, so here's Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez saying that illegal immigrants are more American than the law enforcement officials sent to stop them. But the women and children on that border that are trying to seek refuge and seek opportunity in the United States of America with nothing but the shirt on their backs are acting more American than any person who seeks to keep them out ever will be. Okay, so Border Patrol agents, not American. Illegal immigrants trying to get into the country, American. Okay, that is an open borders That is an open borders call that she is making right there. And even if you say that that's a misinterpretation of what she's saying, what she's really talking about is people who don't want more illegal immigration being un-American. You're going to have to explain that one. Why it is that if I say that I want the border police and I want to make sure that we know who's coming into the country and that people should legally enter the country. And I tend to be pretty libertarian on immigration. I want to let more people in, not fewer people. I fail to see how people who are more border restrictionist are less American and people who are illegally attempting to sneak over the border. I mean, if that's going to be the new Democratic pitch, that is a radical pitch. Trump wins that pitch. That said, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, much better on camera, much liver, much more charismatic than any of the old guard. But again, she's extraordinarily radical. And this is where Trump can win. All he has to do is keep pushing on the Democratic radicalism on all of this. So AOC then continues. She says that Trump should actually defund ICE. That's what we need to do. And when all is said and done, we need to have Trump defund Border Patrol completely. 
the day of Christmas, a child died in ICE custody. The president should not be asking for more money to an agency that has systematically violated human rights. The president should be really defending why we are funding such an agency at all. Wow, if this is, uh, like, Trump should never stop cutting commercials of her because this is just a gift to President Trump. It's a gift to Republicans. Her saying that Border Patrol are committing systematic human rights violations on the border. It was Border Patrol that tried to save that little girl who died. It was her father who brought her like for a thousand miles without giving her any food or water. This is insanity. It's craziness. What Trump is asking is more funding for Border Patrol so they can take better care of the people who are coming to the border. The Democrats are radical. They, many of them are open borders fanatics. And AOC is apparently one of those people. So that was one of the responses from the Democrats. Another response from the Democrats came courtesy of Beto O'Rourke, who is now called Beardo O'Rourke. He has decided that he is going to grow a beard under the bizarre misimpression that everyone looks better with a beard. Now he just looks even more hipster than he did before. So the kind of charming, young, fresh face of Beto O'Rourke. Now he just looks like he lost an election, had to go work in a coffee shop that sells vinyl records behind the counter. So here's Beto O'Rourke on Instagram talking about how we don't have fences or walls in El Paso. Worth noting, one of the reasons they don't have fences or walls in El Paso and El Paso is pretty safe. Where do you think Border Patrol is headquartered? Really, where do you think the El, the El Paso sector of Border Control is headquartered? Maybe it's headquartered in, I don't know, El Paso. Okay, so maybe they have pretty good border patrol over in El Paso. Here's Beta O'Rourke sort of ignoring that. So, so we're literally on the border. Um, you know, you don't have a wall or a fence around your house. No. Uh, the president mentioned that in his remarks today. He said, you know, a lot of highfalutin politicians have walls and fences around their house. Um, you don't have a wall or a fence around your house. Most of the know, homes in this neighborhood, literally right on the border, don't have walls or fences around. Okay, his point being what? His point being that we don't need a wall or a fence on the unguarded parts of the border, because that's what Trump is really talking about here. Again, this is pretty radical stuff. The most radical response came, of course, from Bernie Sanders, who is just an old school nutbag. So here's Bernie Sanders trying to explain that the real issue here is climate change. Why? Who the hell knows? Because Bernie Sanders got a lot of crazy stuff roaming around in that brain of his. And Bernie Sanders like, well, we could talk about the border, but instead, let us talk about how it was very warm outside. And I will admit, I had a significant amount of flap sweat. And this seems to me much more pressing than the issue of illegal immigration itself. Climate change could spoil my pudding early before the expiration date. Go, Bernie Sanders, go. Here's the biggest crisis of all. The scientific community has made it very clear in telling us that climate change is real and is causing devastating harm to our country and the entire planet. And they have told us in no uncertain terms that if we do not transform our energy system away from fossil fuel, our nation and our planet and the planet we will be well, leaving. I mean, just, just insane, just insane. So we're not going to talk about the border issue. We're going to instead talk about climate change. If Democrats really think that's a big winner for them, then Trump is going to win this thing. Now, where is this going to go from here? In all likelihood, the president is going to, I think now, if he doesn't get any movement from the Democrats, he declares a national emergency, which I think is a wrong move. I think it's an immoral move. I think it's a not legal move. I think he will do that. I think he'll wait for a court to strike down the move, and then he will complain about the courts and the Democrats. The government gets funded, and we all move on with our lives, but he has signaled to his base that he cares about the issue. I think that's the most likely cynical outcome. What should he do? He should stick to his guns and force Democrats to explain, really, why they don't want any sort of border-secure wall why they don't want any sort of barrier on the border, right? Force their feet to the... Now, a lot of people are saying, well, it's cynical. Why didn't Trump do this two years ago? You're right. It is cynical. Doesn't mean he's wrong. Two things can be true at once. It is a cynical move. It can also be a politically valuable move and also a policy valuable move, a policy winner for the president of the United States. Okay, in just a second, I want to get to the media response to all of this because the media response to all of this is almost as insane as the Democratic response to all of this. First, we take a look at the folks in the media who are not actual members of the media, Stormy Daniels, who we were assured just wanted to go back to her well-earned obscurity. She decided that she was going to distract from the president's speech by doing her laundry in her underwear. Right? This was, and, and this was pressed forward by the media because this is the world we now live in. So here is some video of her doing laundry in her underwear. Don't worry, it is safe for, for work, although it didn't, it's surprisingly not fantastic. Uh, in any case, here she is folding her laundry I don't know how many people actually watched that as the time. That, that was one response from the media. Another response from the media came courtesy of Seth Meyers, whose 
less funny than, than he used to be. He, at one point, Seth Meyers was probably a funny person. I don't know what happened to him. He tweeted out last night during Trump's speech, is this Oval Office SVU? Because Trump was talking about the victims of illegal immigration. Yeah, that's great. Let's just mock all the people who are killed by illegal immigrants. So funny. So much funnies. In the media, we're already prepared to rip into President Trump no matter what he did here because this is all he truly, they, they care about, right? I mean, he's ripping into President Trump. It's their favorite thing to do. Anderson Cooper was actually, he, he gave, I mean, it's, it's amazing. Anderson Cooper is supposed to be, I thought, a, an objective news host on CNN, right? I don't think he's supposed to be one of their opinion hosts. But Anderson Cooper gave the pre-buttle. The pre-buttle. Did he ever do this with Obama once? Of course not. The pre-buttle. So before Trump even gave his speech, he was giving the pre-buttle talking about how President Trump is a liar and you shouldn't pay any attention to anything he has to say. The mere act of asking networks to make time for it telegraphs the gravity of it. At least it has until now. In the past, with only rare exceptions, you might disagree with what a president said from the Oval Office without wondering if you were straight up being misled or lied to. Keep them honest, sadly, that's not the case tonight. Now, it's not our job to advocate for or against a given policy. It's our job to call out the dishonest pursuit of it. So as we wait for the president to speak about what he calls the crisis on the border, we're starting with the crisis of credibility he's created for himself. And yet, weirdly enough, you are, in fact, commenting on the underlying crisis, because when you guys decide that you're not going to focus on the government shutdown or the border wall or the policy itself, and instead, you decide that you're going to focus on all of the fibs the president told right before the president gives a speech. Obviously, you are weighing in on whether you agree with the president or not. A hundred, uh, I mean, obviously, you are. Right? I mean, if, if somebody were to give a policy speech and instead of me talking about their policy, I were to sit there and say, well, this person has lied this many times about their policy before they even give the speech. I'm what do you think? I'm for their policy. I'm just against dishonesty. Who thinks that about CNN? Does anyone think that CNN is non is undecided on Trump's policy? It's just that they are that deeply concerned about dishonesty. Anyone? Nobody thinks that. Okay, so immediately after the speech, they decide to have on Jim Acosta. Now, Jim Acosta is the worst reporter in America. He's an awful, awful reporter. Jim Acosta loves Jim Acosta. Jim Acosta, as I said yesterday on my radio show, has mirrors of Jim Acosta. I mean, he, he walk into his apartment, and I assume that all the walls are mirrors, so there can just be an infinite plenitude of Jim Acosta's everywhere. That dude loves him. I mean, he literally took a picture in his Twitter profile pic of him in a mirror. So it's a picture of him, him in a mirror, but it's a picture of them. And that was his profile pic for a long time because that dude loves him some Jim Acosta. So here he is talking to Block of Wood, Chris Cuomo. He'd obviously planned out his line before he said it. I mean, th this is so much, he, he just journalism's all over Chris Cuomo and CNN. It's just amazing. Here is, here is Jim Acosta journalisming everywhere. I think that, uh, that address probably should have come with a, a Surgeon General's warning. It was hazardous to the truth. Uh, there were there were a number of claims that the president made uh, in that speech that just are not going to stand up uh, to the fact. Chris Cuomo awkwardly trying to laugh. It's like when your parents tell a joke that is really bad and kind of embarrassing. And then you just sort of make a face because what are you supposed to do with it? So Jim Acosta says that. And then and then obviously Chris Cuomo doesn't know what to do with it. But it just shows you where the media are on all of this. It is it is well worth noting here, by the way, that Jim Acosta got his destroyed yesterday by Kellyanne Conway. I mean, she just destroyed him. She, he was previewing the speech and he asked her about Trump's lies and Kellyanne Conway basically ripped his head off and fed it to the lions on national TV. Can you promise that the president will tell the truth tonight? Will he tell the truth? Yes, Jamin, can you promise that you will? I will. The whole Absolutely. truth and nothing but the truth to so help you, God? Let me, let me just, let me get back in your check. face because you're such a smart ass most of the time and I know you want this to go viral. A lot of these people don't like you. Don't you put it back in my face for all the corrections that your network needs to issue. I was on your network 25 or 26 times in 2018. I'm one of the last people here who even bothered to go on. And the disrespect that you show to me personally, I'll just look past. Ma'am, um, no, no, and don't call me ma'am to, to make it up. <laughs> Jim Acosta getting what he so richly deserves, notoriety and his own stupidity. Okay, well, we had to run a little bit long because there was so much news today. So we are going to skip directly over the things I like. And we'll do one quick thing I hate on our way out. It seems that we now live in a media environment in which people basically try to poison each other and end up poisoning themselves. Jim Acosta just being the latest example of this. Well, I think that if we could have an avatar of that media environment, that avatar would be this guy. There's a prowling suspect who was caught going around licking doorbells 
Okay, so according to the Huffington Post, a family in Salinas, California, might be ready to deliver a tongue lashing to the prowler for their security camera caught licking their doorbell for three hours. <laughs> Sylvia Dungan told local station KION-TV over the weekend, the security system alerted the family to strange movement in the early morning. I thought, boy, there's a lot of traffic. I go five in the morning. My son doesn't get home till six. Who the heck is that? She was even more shocked when she watched the video. Hours of a male trespasser licking the doorbell. I thought, oh boy, that is just weird. He didn't stop. Apparently, he then went and urinated on the front lawn, so he had himself a good old time. The suspect, Robert Daniel Arroyo, 33, could face misdemeanor charges for petty theft and prowling. He is still at large. Apparently, the family spent the rest of the weekend sanitizing their doorbells. As Jonah Goldberg said, you know, think about that guy. Like, he's 90 minutes into licking that doorbell, and he's thinking, man, this shift doesn't end for another 90 minutes. Just have to keep licking this doorbell. So th- th- this is basically, if you, if you could sum up our media moment in one, in one human, it's this guy, right? The media just stand around licking doorbells and then telling you they're heroes for it. So Jim Acosta is the, is the media equivalent, the journalistic equivalence of the doorbell licker of California. Good times. All right. Well, we will be back here a little bit later today and we will have much more to break down. Go check it out over at dailywire.com. Subscribe for $9.99 a month or 99 bucks a year. We will see you then. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Senya Villarreal. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Adam Sayowitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. Production assistant, Nick Sheehan. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire forward publishing production. Copyright forward publishing 2019. Hey, everybody. I'm Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. Is it time to build a wall around Manhattan to keep the media inside and prevent them from distorting the debate? Yes, it is. I'll talk about that more on The Andrew Claven Show. I'm Andrew Claven. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. <laughs> 